I'm going to be sharing this morning on the Holy Spirit. Um, Chris has done a great job over the last couple of weeks of setting it up um, and starting us on this journey over um, the next uh, number of weeks of July and August. We want to um, look and explore the person of the Holy Spirit a little bit more because um, for a number of reasons, first and foremost, I think because you know we should we should know him. Se- secondly, because we really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something in us and through us in Portadown and in this wider area, and we feel it's not even that He wants to. We feel like we're actually living in something at the moment where the Spirit is pouring Himself out, wants to pour Himself out more, and we really feel it's important that we have a biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, so that when we are trying to articulate what He's doing amongst us, we have a biblically informed understanding of that as much as possible <laughs> um, because there's a degree of mystery and beauty and wonder that we want to get taken up in in God but we want to be uh, aware of who the Holy Spirit is and so <clears throat> this talk to, today um, is probably going to probably reiterate some of what Chris has said over the last couple of weeks and maybe push things on a little bit further. But I I just want to, because I know some people are coming and going in the summer and all different holidays and stuff, which is absolutely uh, normal. But So I just want to try and keep us together by reiterating some points and at the same time just uh, push us slightly forward. Just a couple of quotes, first of all, to um, um, Francis Chan wrote this book called The Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit because he's often the one that we don't really talk about that much or we don't really understand. Yeah, We can kind of get the idea of Father, can't we? Father God. And we can certainly identify much easier with the idea of the Son, Jesus, because he came as a human being. But with the Spirit, it almost seems a little bit more tricky and difficult to understand. And so we often forget about him, relegate him. He's kind of like on the substitutes bench and comes off every now and again. But that's not the way it should be. Um, he is God, as we'll come to see. And here's a couple of quotes just to... Um, <clears throat> Just to elevate the person and the role of the Holy Spirit a little bit. Holy Spirit is Jürgen Moltmann. The Holy Spirit is the unrestricted presence of God in which our life wakes up, becomes holy and entirely living, and is endowed with the energies of life. I'm going to refer, not going to read scripture just at the start here, but I will refer to lots of scripture as we go through this today. But here's just, a, here's just a couple of quotes. The unrestricted presence of God in which our life wakes up, becomes holy and entirely living, and is endowed with the energies of life. I love that. So, you know, that's how our lives are animated with the presence, the personal presence of God as the spirit indwelling in us. If that's what it means, maybe a little bit more individually, I love this quote um, about the church. The spirit is the lifeblood of the church, the vivifying force that makes its very existence possible. Without the spirit, the church is either an empty, lifeless shell or a horrific monstrosity. Monstrosity. (laughs) Animated by some other spirit than the spirit of the risen Jesus. It's quite a powerful quote, isn't it? If, if it's not, and the Spirit is not the lifeblood of the church, it's just a lifeless shell. It's a bunch of people just meeting on a Sunday like uh, any other club might meet. And so the Holy Spirit is essentially God in us, bringing us the life of the resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus, the very life of God, his own personal presence. That is the Holy Spirit 
living in us. He is the movement of life inside of us, the unrestricted presence of God. And the beauty of the scriptures are what Jesus said, that he would give his spirit without measure. It's unrestricted, right? And so if we want to bring life to our city, if we want to fulfill our vision of rewriting the story of our city, the Holy Spirit and our understanding of him is fundamental to this. We can't rewrite the story of the city without him because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And the way that we have Jesus, if you like, today is through the Spirit, right? Living in us, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus living in us. You see, uh, Jesus is with us today because the Holy Spirit is within us and amongst us. There's a sense in which, one of the reasons why it's important to understand, we often don't teach it, the, the theology, if you like, of the ascension of Jesus back to heaven. It's quite important because Jesus ascended to heaven. So there's a, there's a sense in which, in a human way, if you like, Jesus is not here today, right? And let me finish the sentence. Jesus is in heaven. He sat down on a throne. Because he came and he did a work and he finished the work and he went back to heaven and he sat down. There is a man in heaven today interceding for us at the right hand of God. Wherever God lives, Jesus is there. But Jesus is with us today. Why? Because his spirit was poured out and it lives within us. And because it's within us, it's as if he was here in person. Because it's the spirit of Jesus himself dwelling in and amongst us. That's why when it says, where two of you on earth agree, or sorry, not that one. Uh, You know that one where if two of you are here, then I'm in the midst of you, that one. Like that's not a verse that we're supposed to just whip out when there's only two people turn up at the prayer meeting, okay? But, But it's handy. It is handy. It's sort of encouraging for that kind of an environment, right? When nobody else has come, right? Where two of you um, are there in my name, there I will be in the midst. But what that really means is when, when two of you are there, then I'm in the midst. Because if I'm there and Rachel's there and he's in both of us, then he's in the midst of us. You understand? And so when we come together to worship like we did, that's why when I said this morning that I, that I missed this, it's, it's, in a, and it's partly in a sentimental way. I just miss you all because I love you all and like you all. But it's a deeper thing. It's a, it's a spirit thing because I'm, I'm missing something I am born for, which is to be part of the family of God because when they gather in Jesus' name, the spirit is in our midst because he's in us. He's in the room. Yeah? And the more we are surrendering our hearts to him, the more room, if you like, we leave for him to come and build his throne amongst us. So we need his spirit amongst us because it's it's him who makes the difference. The the problem is that we've often misunderstood the role of the Holy Spirit, as I've said. And what happens, I think what happens, this is my observation, it could be wrong, that what happens, because people don't understand the Holy Spirit, they never really teach on it, and so what they teach on every week then uh, is how we're sinners and Jesus died for us and therefore we've forgiven and we can go to heaven. Now that's all very good. That's all part of the truth. That's all essential to our understanding of salvation. But what they never really preach on that much, this is a generalization, uh, so just forgive me for that. But you know, what we never really preach on often is because we've been saved, then the Holy Spirit has come and lived in us. So because of what Jesus has done, it allows them for the Spirit to come and live in us so that we can live 
out the works of Jesus and actually do the things that Jesus did because the Spirit is within us. And so what we often do in Northern Ireland, I think, is and other places as well, we orientate around just our past and how Jesus has forgiven us and never really teach about who we've now become because of that and who we're becoming in Jesus and what he actually wants us to do because the Spirit is within us and on us. The reason Jesus came out of the grave was to deliver us from our sins, of course, but the other side of the same coin is that he put his actual presence within us to do the actual things that he did. Do you agree with that? You think you do? Right? So the one side of the one side of the coin is that Jesus died for our sins to forgive us, but the other side of that coin is he put his actual resurrection power, life in us through his spirit so that we can be changed from the inside out. And he can live in and through us to do the things that he did. That's why we need his spirit. There's that great quote around that if the Holy Spirit was taken out of most of our churches next week, would we know the difference? Would we know the difference? Or would we just resort to form? Three songs, preach, tea and coffee, bye-bye. Or would we would we know the difference? We could get through without. That's why we want to wait. That's why the way Kate and Dossie and Sue led us. To, it's beautiful, isn't it? Because what we're doing is we're waiting. What does the Spirit want to say? What is what is He doing in our midst? How does He want to lead us? How does He want to change the plan? How does He how does He want to prompt us in different ways? And uh, you know, some of you maybe that you know have um, kind of vineyard in your in your kind of past or blood or whatever we want to put it is that John Wimber is this great story when he first came to faith he came off you know a pretty uh, hardcore life I think he was in a a rock band and so he kind of lived a wild enough life and he came off uh, all of that when he got saved he started going to church started to read the bible and a month or so after when he saw all the stuff Jesus done he went to the minister and he said to the minister when do we get to do the stuff and the minister says what do you mean he says, well, when do we get to do the stuff that it actually says in here? You know, like pray for the sick, you know, uh, you know feed the poor or whatever it was, raise the dead. All, all the things that Jesus did. When do we get to actually do that? And the minister didn't really have an answer for him. Yeah. And he says, you mean to say I came off drugs for this? Just for like a form? Or, or is this actually the life of Jesus? That, that adventurous, wild gift of the Spirit living on us to see the captive set free and to join with Jesus in his partnership for the world to see the kingdom come. And so it's important that we understand the Holy Spirit's importance in our lives, his work and his personhood. The Holy Spirit is invisible, right? But he's not, he's not intangible. There, so what I mean by that is it affects us. like A bit like Kate prayed this morning that it was beautiful wasn't it just what you said there about how you know that the, the weight of the world would lift off us but the weight of heaven would come on us you know and and so, and, and so it's hard to describe but we we kind of feel his touch uh, elizabeth talked about it you know that encounter she had felt like fire going through her whole body and sometimes it comes in in ways that are, are really demonstrative like that other ways it's, it's maybe not it's quiet and it's it's, it's but 
but he, he affects our lives. Sometimes we find ourselves just welling up when we come into church. We find ourselves emotional. We find our hearts soft. Sometimes we feel ourselves like almost like adrenaline coursing through our bodies because the spirits come on us and on par. Sometimes we just feel the calm and the resting of God like a baby weaned on its mother's breast. We just feel, oh, I just feel calmed and quieted. The stress is, you know, the Holy Spirit's invisible, but he's not intangible. It affects us and he comes upon us. We sense and understand his movements because he's animating our lives. You say, well, that's a bit weird, but here's the thing. Most of our lives now are controlled by things that are invisible. The internet. Can you imagine getting through life without that? Where do you see it? Where is it? You know, most of what we own these days lives in a cloud somewhere. Where is it? Is it in the, where is this cloud? I sound like my dad here. Where is this, where is this cloud anywhere? <laughs> yeah. But most of our lives are, are controlled. Like when we get a virus, or oh, there's bacteria in the air. Like, like, where is it? You know, so these are, when we talk about DNA, you just do things like you're, it's like you've got the same DNA. Like, where is that? What, what does it look like? These, these things that life are in life aren't necessary. We sometimes think the Holy Spirit, oh, that's kind of like weird or hard to get our heads around. And yet, most of our lives are controlled these days by things that are in, invisible, but they're real. Now, that's a kind of tedious example in some ways because the Holy Spirit's much more fundamental to who we are as kind of beings. I could say, you know, getting closer to that, what about when you fall in love? Can you see that? No, but would you say it's real? Of course you would. There wouldn't be, you know, people sitting beside each other today and the kids that they have produced and all of that if, if it wasn't very real, right? And so deeper than all of those things, much more powerful than all of us, the Holy Spirit connects with us because we are spirit beings. John chapter 4 says God is spirit. God is spirit. Right? He is, he is uh, absolute essence of reality. God is spirit and we've been created in his image and so we are spiritual beings, right? If you, if you want me to prove this to you a bit more, think about the fact that for all the self-help techniques we have today, for all the psychological kind of therapies that we've developed, for all the ways that there is to get improved, we've got more suicide, depression, and all of those things than ever in our society, right? So it's obviously a spiritual problem which means that it can only be a spiritual cure. And God is spirit. And he comes and he touches our lives in ways beyond what all of these other things that are good can't. And he touches us and he starts to change us and transform us from the inside out. It's an inside job. And he starts to change and create something new within us. And he connects with our heart. And we become new creatures, new beings. Because because we're spirit beings, because of sin, 
our spirits are cut off from the source, right? So when we come to Jesus, you know that phrase that gets negative press these days, born again, right? Let's never lose that word because that's exactly what happened to you. You were born again by the Spirit, right? Born again doesn't mean Christian fundamentalist, homophobic, all that kind of stuff that it's become in the media today. That's not what it means, right? Christian, being born again means that you were born again. It's powerful. You were born again, a new thing happened, a new creature. You were born again by the... So Nicodemus says, what does that mean, Jesus? This wise man, he comes to Jesus at night. What does that mean to be born again, to have to get back into my mom's womb or something? Jesus is like, no, no, no. To be born again means you're born from above, born from another kingdom, born by the Spirit, right? As a new creature. And just as you've been born again in your spirit, now he's bringing life to your whole bodies. So we are people of the Spirit who learn to live by the Spirit of God. And so uh, it's really, really important that we get a grasp of this. You with me? Born again. Some of us, some of us just need to get born again. Again. I tell myself that often. And I know, you know, don't come up and like correct my theology. I know, believe if you're saved, you're saved, if you know what I mean. But <clears throat> I uh, sometimes say to the Lord, you know what, Lord, I just need to get saved again. <laughs> you know what I mean when I say that? My heart's just got a bit hard. I'm thinking about everything else but Jesus. And my priorities have changed. And I just have to say, Lord, I just need to get saved again. <laughs> I just need to get born again, again. And so what I've realized in my life is I just need to get born again and again and again and again and appropriate the work of the cross to my life every day so that the new life, so I can live in this new life, I can live this new person out and stop resorting to the old. And so it's, it's really important. I, um, not quite sure where to go here next. Okay, let's, let's do this. So as a bit of a reiteration, here's a few key things, just to raise the value of the Holy I'm not going to go into these loads because I want to get to something, I think, before we finish. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Okay? Just, just going to say a few statements that just elevate the person and the role of the Holy Spirit. That means he's fully God. Try and get your head around this. Actually, don't. Just live in the wonder of it, right? But God is three persons. Each person is fully God. There is one God. Right? <laughs> That is the doctrine of the Trinity right there. God is three persons. Each person is fully God. There is one God. Right? They're not three modes of God. That's heresy. As in God's one, but he just decides to be the Father some days and the Son some days and the Spirit some days. Right? That's called modalism and it's, it's, it's heresy. Okay? He's also not three gods. Right? That's, that's another side of heresy. Right? He's three persons or personas. Each person is fully God. There is one God. Enough said. <laughs> okay? So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God. That's why I'm saying that. We're not talking about a liquid. We're not talking about an it. We're talking about a person who is God, who alongside the Father and the Son um, are one God. Holy Spirit is active with the Father and Son in God's purposes. He's always been active, 
right? The Holy Spirit is for the purposes of creation and humanity. The Holy Spirit he was there. He, he, he is the manifestation throughout Scripture, it seems to be, of God's immediate personal presence. Like, so that's why he's called God. The, the, the same word for it's ruach is the Hebrew word for uh, spirit. It's also the same word for wind and breath, and it's the same in the Greek, right? So where we get our word, the word for spirit in the Greek is pneuma, which is where we get our word pneumatic from when it comes to like air and things like that. And so the word pneuma in the Greek and the ruach in the Hebrew all means spirit, wind, breath. It's all the same word, right? So the very breath of God, you can't get any closer than the breath of God, is the same word for the spirit of God. It's, it's that close. It's God's own personal presence. And, and, and God's breath is involved throughout history of creation creation itself. It says, the Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. He came upon people in power in the Old Testament. He was connected with direct manifestations of God in the Old Testament. He was there at the conception of Jesus. How did Mary conceive? By the Holy Spirit, right? He was there at the conception of Jesus. He was there at Jesus' baptism, right? Where he came on him. He was there in Jesus' ministry. And throughout then the letters, Paul's letters to the church, he is central to everything that Jesus is doing in his church. It actually says, I think in Romans, if we do not have the spirit of Christ, then we don't belong to Christ. You can't have Jesus without having the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's point number two. Jesus, point number three, Jesus was dependent on the spirit for his ministry. Jesus, who was God, showed us that the method for revealing the heart of the Father to the world was through the power of the Spirit. Jesus didn't do anything without the Holy Spirit. We're told that um, that he, he, he was... Uh, Matthew and Luke, I think, you know, talk about how he was led after the Spirit came on him at his baptism. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In the wilderness, the Spirit ministered to him. And when he came out of the ministry, when he came out, of the wilderness, it said he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he came out, he went into the tabernacle, our temple one day, and he read the scroll. And what did he say? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do these works, to proclaim the good news to the poor, etc., etc. So Jesus didn't do anything. That's one way that Jesus was not unique, by the way. Jesus was incredibly unique, obviously, as the Son of God. But one way he wasn't unique was he didn't do it without the Holy Spirit. Which is like what you and me have to do. Which is why we need him. Fourth, Jesus said it was better for him to go for the Holy Spirit to come. <laughs> yeah, we said that phrase. What could be better than God in the flesh? God in all flesh. Yeah, Jesus said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit, um, even that scripture that... Um, Elizabeth read that how Jesus wants to make himself manifest to us. What happened that night when when Elizabeth was in St. Mark's? It was the Spirit of God coming upon her to show her Jesus. To give her a glimpse of Jesus because that's what he does. He glorifies Jesus. He loves Jesus. He glorifies the Son. And so he, he brings us to Jesus. He leads us in the truth. Remember Jesus said to the disciples, you can, the poor old disciples must have been thinking, how on earth are a bunch of us clampets going to be going to able to do this when you go back to heaven? And Jesus said, no, no, don't worry. The Spirit's going to come and he's going to guide you into all truth. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's why we need to be so open to the Holy Spirit because he brings us Jesus. Uh, and... Um, 
and let me just run through these just to like, um, just to like really. So he's like the administrator of the Godhead. He brings us the Father and the Son. And just to prove this, let me just overwhelm you here with a load of stuff on the on the, on on. He these are all scriptural references. If you want these, I can send you to them. But the, he searches us. He convicts us. He teaches us. He washes us. He sanctifies. He justifies us. These are all things the Spirit does. He loves us. He pours God's love into our hearts. He assures us of our sonship and our inheritance. He sets us free. He helps us and he comforts us. He leads us. He produces fruit in us. He gives us power. He gives us hope. He does miracles. He prays for us. He gives gifts to build up the church. He unites us and integrates us into the church. He guarantees our future and acts as a deposit. He reaps for us eternal life. He's part of wearing the armor of God. He gives us joy and peace and he instructs the churches and he brings visions. Seems like he does quite a bit, doesn't he? It's important for us to be open to who the Spirit of God is. This is why Jesus would say, it's better that I go. So the Spirit can come and do all of this in all of us. Right? So Jesus, as much as Jesus was fully God and can do everything God could do, the reality was he took on the limitations of humanity, which was one man. So if like Jesus wanted to be transported or something, he probably could have, but he didn't seem to do that. He was one man in one location, in one place in the Middle East, in the first century. Yeah? Right? So when the Holy Spirit, which is coming on to the next point, Jesus is better to wait for the Holy Spirit to come so he could fill us all and we could complete his mission. So one person filled with the Spirit, albeit it was God himself in human form, now becomes hundreds and thousands and millions of people who will follow Jesus who will be filled with this same Spirit. And get this, please get this. When Jesus was filled with the Spirit, we don't get like the junior Spirit or the minor Spirit or a watered-down version of what Jesus got. We get the same Spirit that was on Christ in us. God in us. God in you. Christ, the hope of glory, by His Spirit living in you. And if, as I share this with you now, you're feeling that knot deep down inside your gut, your Spirit, what is that? That is the Spirit. And he is bearing witness. That's what the scriptures say. He bears witness. Our spirits are bearing witness. So even now as we talk and we feel, yes, yes, something inside is going, yes, I, I think that's something. That's the, that's the spirit. He, he, he's bearing witness with our spirit. I remember when I was a boy, not, being no, not knowing if I was saved. I got the life scared out of me every week growing up. Thought I was going to hell every week. Got saved every week. Make sure it wasn't. Asked Jesus into my heart every week. And I remember about 12 years old, saying, saying, not being able to sleep one night, saying to my mom when she came in, put me to bed, she said, said, Mom, I don't know if I've said the prayer right. If I said it the right way, maybe, maybe I haven't said this bit properly. I should have said that bit. should have said that bit. Anybody else done that? Anybody else have that like upbringing? Yeah? Have I said the prayer right? I don't know if I've said the prayer right. I said, forgive me first. Or should have said, cleanse me first. Or should have said, like, should have accepted him before he asked me to forgive him. Or should have confessed before I accepted him. You know, riddled, riddled with this. Not being able to sleep as a boy. And I went up to the room. My dad was sitting at the fire. And I uh, said, you know, mom said, tell dad. And, me and mum and dad sat and dad opened the Bible and he took me to a verse in Romans chapter 8. And he opened the Bible and he said, son, you, he read the scripture, he says, our spirit, spirit has been poured into, our, poured into our hearts by which we can cry, Abba, Father. 
And then he said to me, son, look at this verse. Our spirit, his spirit, sorry, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. Now he says, son, see all those doubts that you have going on in your head. You see that thing deep, deep down inside you that knows you belong to God? Do you know what I mean? And I said, yes. Yes, I know what you mean. Well, he says, that's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, telling your spirit you belong to him. And I never had another doubt ever since in the rest of my life. Because his Spirit tells my spirit they become one, in a sense. My spirit has been awakened by his spirit. I belong to him. I'm his child. And the part of me that wants to go, Abba, Father, da- Daddy, God, or whatever it might be, is his spirit in me, helping me to say that. Does that make sense? And, and so, <clears throat> this is how the Holy Spirit works. He lives inside us. And so all the doubts that we carry in our heads can be settled when we read a scripture like that and we realize I belong to him. <laughs> I am a child of God. His spirit bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And we need to live from that place. Now the spirit then will inform our minds. I'm not saying we throw our heads out, our minds out, but the spirit will inform our mind. But that's how the Holy Spirit works inside us. He, he bears witness He loves to remind us that we are children of God. And so Jesus told us to wait for him to come because he is going to come and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit is poured out, you will receive that power. And Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father. I love that. Do you you ever... um, you know, when you're you're a child, if if, if you were if you were fortunate, and, and not everyone necessarily came from homes like that. That's so I want to be sensitive to that. But I don't know if you ever come from a home, you know, where you're blessed to have a a father who loved you, and and that you know he he promised you a gift. You know, my my Annie and Aaron, every time I go away, and I it's like, you know, the big the big kind of like insecure part of me like wants him just to want me back, you know. But they're just like, did you bring me a present? Yeah, did you bring me a present? Because, but when daddy promises a gift, yeah, the promise of the father, there's like an excitement in the home when, when, when daddy's coming home with a gift, yeah. And, I, and Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was probably trying to help, and they, they probably never understood it. It's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come, because this is the promise from dad. This is the promise from the father that the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he was excited for them because this was the promise that God the Father had been longing for years to pour out upon humanity. And uh, when he did at Pentecost in that upper room and the Holy Spirit fell, it tells us that Peter stood up and he said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. All people. Not just sporadically like in the Old Testament, upon people to do certain things, but on everyone, on males and females, even the servants, even the female servants. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so someone has once said that Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is Jesus in action post-resurrection. 
Jesus in action post-resurrection. And so we could summarize like this, and I'll finish with this. I've other stuff to say, but I'm going to finish with this. The Holy Spirit, we could say, if you want to summarize, I just give you some points there to try and elevate our understanding of how crucial and central Holy Spirit is in Scripture. And uh, we could summarize it like this, I think. The Holy Spirit is person. Okay, so not, not, not an it. Not impersonal, very, very personal. He's not a theology that we just box in. He's not a, a liquid that we just get a buzz off every now and again. Uh, I always say the Holy Spirit, I heard someone say once, he thought it was great, the Holy Spirit is not the kind of weird, slightly eccentric aunt and uncle that comes once a year Christmas to uh, have Christmas dinner with us that we're all maybe slightly like, let's just try and ride this meal through and uh, hopefully it'll, it'll go. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not that kind of thing, right? But that's how we often treat the Holy Spirit. He's, he can come down again, does slightly weird things, and then put him back in his box for a while. That's not, that's, the Holy Spirit was the one that helped create the world, yeah? He brings beauty and order and calm and peace. He brings the very presence of God. So he's he's person, a divine personality. Jesus has put, let me put it like this, just in the same way as Jesus showed us the Father, Jesus put a human face on the Spirit. Right? Just in the same way as Jesus showed us, Jesus put a human face on what the Holy Spirit looks like. It looks like Jesus. It does the things that Jesus does. And, and he... he comes in us, and this is where I wanted to get to today, but I'm not going to get there. He comes in us to change us into Christ-likeness. So, right, you see when people say we're supposed to be like Jesus, we actually are supposed to be becoming like Jesus, right? That has become some overused statement that we say that's lost all its power, but we're actually supposed to become Christ-like. So when Christians say to me, Oh, I just told her like it was because that's the way I am. I'm like, nonsense. Grow up. Read your Bible. It might be just the way you are, but you need a change. Right? Because that means if you're tight, you can become generous. If you're angry, you can be softened. If you're bitter, you can become a person of reconciliation. If you've got unforgiveness, you can become forgiven. You can. Why? Because if the same spirit that raised Christ lives in you and it raised Jesus from the dead, it can take my hard heart and change it around. So let's not allow one another to resort to statements which are around the churches at the moment. That's just the way I am. So that's just the way I am. People have to accept me. The church is all about grace. Well, maybe if you're just saved, but it'll not be too long until somebody should be getting around you to say, actually, that's not the way, because that doesn't look like Jesus. And when you came to Jesus, you got, you got, what did you get? You got this, right? Now, just watch this. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to finish here, I promise, in two seconds. 
look, it says, Simon Peter, a servant apostle of Jesus Christ, to whom, to those through the righteousness of God, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now listen to this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his great and precious promises so that through them, I really want you to get this statement, you may participate in the divine nature. The divine nature, that's the character of God himself. That's Christ-likeness. That's Jesus-looking stuff. You have been called to participate through the grace of God in the divine nature of God. If you're not more like Jesus, if I'm not like more like Jesus, let me start there, than I was this time last year, or if I wanted to be a little bit more kind of like real about it, probably this time last week, then I need to be talking to myself. And I need to be talking to Jesus about that because we are called to be like Christ. And the way, I'll get into this more next week, and the way that we are called to be like Christ is to walk in the Spirit. It's the power of the Spirit that transforms us. It's not my will power on its own. It's my will joined with the power of the Spirit that I am being changed and transformed by the inside out to look like Jesus. Right? I can be changed. You can be changed. And the good news is Jesus believes in us more than we do that we can be changed. And so he is person. He is presence. The very presence of God. We have become the temples. The place where heaven and earth meet. His own personal presence living in us. Those who are led by the spirit, his presence. Those are the sons of God. And he is power. He is the power of the living God in us. And his power is stronger than death. And his power helps us to do the things Jesus did. It also helps us to endure the most horrendous sufferings that we will go through. His power helps us to endure suffering. And it's power to change us. Does anybody have, you know, you don't have to put your hand up. But does anybody have one of those things in your life? that you just can't get mastery over. One of those vices, one of those difficult things. That it just feels like I'm never going to change. And the enemy gets in and says, you're never going to change. You're always going to think this about yourself. You're never going to overcome this. But, right? That's all lies from the enemy. The same power, the same power that raised Christ out of the grave lives in you, lives in me. And gives me the power to overcome. To overcome. And some of that takes a lifetime (laughs) of just trying to walk it out. Walk it out. Some of the stuff I'm more sensitive to, more weak around than others. That's why I need the power of the Spirit daily. Daily in my life. And so what we want to teach you over the next couple of weeks is how to walk in the Spirit. And I'm going to get hopefully a bit more practical next week to talk to you about what are some of the things that I have tried to put into my life to help me keep step with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit in order to be changed and transformed. Because if I walk by the Spirit, I'll naturally fulfill the law of God. And the law is fulfilled in 
loving him with everything we've got and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Amen.